Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Man, I better make this intro special, right? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. No, I'm only playing. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, to be frank, our, our guest is a true hero. There's literally no human being on Earth uh, who has not heard of our guest. Uh, like, seriously, you don't even need to hear my voice anymore. But uh, just for formality's sake, yes, we can go hip-hop legend, mm. uh, the first hip-hop Grammy winner, uh, sitcom legend on one of the most beloved, important family shows in TV history. A Golden uh, Globe act. winner. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Woo. That's new. That's we're, new. We're now skipping Fonte. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. You didn't think that that was on my? No, I'm playing. Um, no, but seriously, like let's let's not take it lightly that um, he has been a premier action hero, one of the most highest paid actors. I believe 17 of his films have grossed past at least combined eight billion dollars, which is nothing to scoff at. You know, when I say this man has his own money, I mean he has his own money. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, I I. Swear to God, I'll, I'll put it this way, Steve. You remember my infamous rat story? The one I heard a thousand times. Yeah, I think I can remember it. <laughs> right. So before before you came in the picture, I will say even his foot, even the footnotes of his life become other people's highlights. And I mean, he <laughs> invited me to the millennial back in 1999, December 31st. Wow. Something I'm sure he doesn't remember about that. Yes. Right. Exactly. Bill Clinton. You know the many- inauguration. Do you know how many times I've told the story of Mary Tyler Moore running over Liz Taylor's wheelchair on my Jordan or my corns? <laughs> that, that was my original rat story. Anyway, I can I can talk 
and talk, talk, talk about achievements uh, until the cows come home. But literally what hit home for me personally was uh, his his really brave, rigorous act of, of complete honesty and vulnerability, which is a word you don't often hear, especially in the black community. Um, and his book, Will, amongst other things that he's, he's achieved. This intro is now 90 minutes long and the show's over. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome <laughs> Will Smith to Questlove Supreme. Thank you. Yes. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. Wait, have you set up lights in your apartment? Huh? Yeah. Were you, you set well, up so, lights right now in your... So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I took this interview seriously. Right. So. <laughs> no, this is the cleanest Zoom display I've ever seen in my oh, life. Like, yo, I feel very ashamed right now. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's my man. You know, he asked me to, you know, to, to come on. It's Philly. It's all of that. It's like I got to make, you know, I, I don't know what he needs, or what he wants to use. Like, I want to be I want to represent properly. I want hey, it's to just audio, right. bro. You could have been on the couch anyway. This is uh, <laughs> So actually, I, I want to start off, and I'm I'm going to go against format, and just sort of make this uh, a, a free round for everyone on the show, all all of us here. Uh, hello, Team Supreme, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah what up? What up? What up? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway, so I, I want to know, what did you do this morning? Me or Team Supreme? No, you. You don't care. Me. About oh, I thought you said you said Team. I'm just curious what your average morning is like nowadays. So I usually I wake up about uh, 4 a.m. So like four to six is my private quiet time, like no phone, no nothing. I think uh, I meditate. uh, I read. It is like the my favorite time of the day that. There, there's very few days I'm not awake at 4 a.m. And four to six is how I, I get just centered and clear about what I'm going to do in, in the course of a day. And uh, some days I'll go, I'll go back to sleep from 6 to 7.30 or something like that and start my day. And uh, some days if I'm energized, I'll get on the treadmill at, at 6 and start my day. See, I already feel like I'm doing this wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, because Grace told me like Grace's time is 5 a.m. And that's the one promise that I sort of like backtracked on. Mm. You know, yes, we'll get up together at 5 a.m. We'll meditate. (laughs) And, you know, and then I went back to my normal 10 a.m. routine. Mm. But, uh, man, man, you can't underestimate the power of watching the sunrise. There's something that that energizes a human body about seeing the the sunrise. It like wakes you up with it. It's like you get in sync mm-hmm. with with like how the world is moving. How so long it, has that been a practice for you? Probably about three years. Oh, man. Part, okay. it, it started happening. I'm I'm not a big sleeper. I'm I rarely, if ever, sleep for you know, five hours straight. Really? You know, yeah, rarely, rarely. I'll, you know, I'll sleep for four hours, up for a couple hours, and then sleep for three hours, three more hours. Like, but very rarely will I sleep. I never sleep eight. 
right? I'll, I'll sleep a combination of four up for a couple hours and then back for four, but never eight hours straight. Okay, so can I ask you? Now, yeah. that's, where I, that's where I have excelled in life. If you feel like <laughs> you've slept eight hours or more, do you feel like you wasted the day? And I know from reading your book, I know that for you, the idea of hard work, performative hard work is yeah. like job one. So letting the idea of that go. I'll give you an example. This Saturday, I've never gotten up at two in the afternoon. I slept for 15 hours. Yeah. Mm, I never I've never slept for 15 hours ever. And yeah. I, I didn't even feel tired. I just opened my eyes and was like, wait, it's two in the afternoon. What the fuck? Yeah. And she let me sleep for 15 hours. Like for you is sleeping eight hours like ah, that's that's a wasted. I, I could have saved the world in the last yeah. three hours. <laughs> I used to I used to feel like that. It used to feel like. You know, I didn't want to be sleep. I always felt like I was missing the something. Dead. That's what they used yeah. to say in the nineties. Yeah, I know. What's <laughs> up? Yeah, that, that that was a Quincy Jones joint. Mm. It was like, you know, boy, mm. you have enough time to sleep when you did. You know, so mm. it, so I prefer like I'll I take naps, right? You know, I'll lay down for for thirty minutes at lunch. You know, and you know, get a get a thirty, and I can I'll be refreshed. A 30, 30 minute nap at lunch. I'm I'm like really refreshed, but I, I, I don't like the feeling of sleeping all the way through in, in that way. But every couple of months, I'll definitely get one of those 15 hour jobs. Like, you know, if you do that it, it, every couple of months, I'll get that full day where you just shut it down and, and uh, return that sleep debt. But the, the, that, that four to six practice is a new thing. I, I wouldn't miss that for anything like that up and the whole world belongs to me and right. it's private and it's quiet. It's like, that's when I do my, my best uh, thinking. And you're still able to do that while you're taping uh, movies and stuff too, while you're shooting? Yeah. So usually with a movie, if I, if, if I have an early call, it works perfectly because I'm up a couple hours before anyway, and I'll just continue my day. And usually on those kind of days, I'll sleep at lunch. I take a, I take a nap at That's lunch. That's where you get your nap. Gotcha. Yeah. What does meditation look like to you? Cause we talk about meditation a lot on this show. What does it yep. mean to you? Um, the big thing for me with meditation is no pressure. I don't pressure myself to, uh, do anything, but just watch my mind to just be aware of all of the things that are coming up to just notice, damn, I hate meditating today. Right. And <laughs> I just, I kind of, I take the time to just notice what's going on with my mind. I don't wrestle with it. I let it, I let it do what it do, baby. Do you do trans meditation? No, I don't, I don't go that far. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I have, you know, you read the book, so, you know, I've done ayahuasca and things like that, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's a form that, you know, for me, that's a form of, of meditation. I didn't read it. Wait, can you just tell me, oh man, don't spoil it. I'm like, (laughs) Did, yeah, don't. I, I don't want you to spoil it. But the Will, ayahuasca, I'm say, so curious. I'm, ah. mm-hmm. I was gonna. I was gonna tell you, Will. Um, I am. What I hit you the last time. I was telling you that uh, I was waiting for this very specific. I wanted my first ayahuasca journey to be with this African couple mm-hmm. that that does it, and a funny thing happened to them, mm-hmm. which is they were now like, you know, what's happening. 
this Will Smith book has just come out and suddenly we're in demand. So now I got to work. I love Ayahuasca, it. peyote, mushrooms, these are all family, right? So ayahuasca is really, really different. So you know the, 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 the scene in Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. Where, Where he goes to the ancestral plane. Yeah, the ancestral plane, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the African, that's taken from the African version of ayahuasca, uh, iboga, right? So it is as vivid as they depicted in the movie. You, you like actually go meet, see, talk to people, you come back, right? Like that's, the movie is not an exaggeration of what the experience is. Wow. Right. Um, The only the only thing that was uh, was uh, potentially a little bit of a of an exaggeration is the directing of the experience. The the it takes you where it wants to take you. You don't get to like pick. Yeah. Maybe at higher levels, people can pick. Right. But (laughs) yeah, I never got to pick. I got dragged. Right. So. What did it drag you into? Who did you get to talk to? Did you talk to any people from your past or whatever? My my father came to me, you know, so that's what I was saying. So I had that that experience. My father, uh, he came to me and showed me where he was living, you know. Wow. Wow. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. I, I will say to you, Laia, that sort of on that path, I think the lightest version of it is, well, there's sound journeys you can take. Sound um, band. For some people, a step up from that is, is sound journeys with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Some people do ayahuasca. Mike Tyson talks about uh, doing toad, which is even more yeah, yeah. extreme. Mm. But basically, it's almost like you should really be open for me, at least, and trying to heal like a lot of the childhood trauma. Yeah. First, I mean, there's literally no human alive, especially black human that has not dealt with trauma, real trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. And for I think for a lot of us, um, we sort of normalized the trauma. Like I normalized right. like, well, yeah, your dad's supposed to beat your ass until, you know, See, I'm a good person now because my dad beat my ass. Um, and it's only, it's really only until like maybe a year and a half ago where I just had to settle that. Yes. Even though my dad loved me, that, that was, that was abusive, the the highest form, the highest form of abuse and really like damage. So, I mean, as a result, hear me say that too. Mm -mm. Right. But that's the thing, like as black people, a lot of what we hold on to for how we were reared it comes from slavery and that's sort of the one aspect that we can't let go, which for me, at least in, in reading Will's book, the reason why I say like the vulnerability and the honesty is really unprecedented, especially like I, I really want black people. And I know like people are, you know, attracted to the fact that like, you know, everything that's happened in the last year or so in Will's life that, they're coming there for that, like that dirt or whatever. And it's really not about that. It's about really coming to grips. You guys remember on past episodes where I told you about the, the laughing song, right? George Johnson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Song. yeah. How it, it just hit me that emotions were literally illegal. Yeah. For 300 years. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't laugh. And if you, you know, the, the reason why they invented the, the, the terminology, uh, barrels of laughs was because slaves had built a barrel full of water. So if you felt yourself about to laugh on the plantation, instead of meeting the ire and the anger of the overseer, you would dunk your head in the water to suppress the sound. Laugh in the barrel. Wow. Yeah. Same, same for anger. Who you sassing at? Who you getting smart with? You better not cry if I give you something to cry about. Like all those things that we attribute to black parents, like all that shit came from slavery. So we literally could not show emotions. It was illegal or else you face lashes. And as yep. a result, 
I think the defensive thing that we invented, like the same way we invented soul food out of the worst food ever, black people invented cool. Mm-hmm. Cool as a defensive mechanism, like not showing, not showing emotions, not being too affected, holding back, not yeah, not. Yeah. Well, we from Philly, we said not drawing. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And as a result, it's it's really damaged us. Like if you really think about it, the last black person that I saw really on display of this vulnerability, was the last thirty seconds of she's out of my life. Like who would will who's willing to be that open? Right. <laughs> about right about their life and so for me why why did you feel as though now is the time because when i read this book i was one i was relieved because someone went before you know like in the three stooges where they're they, they do the army thing and like who's the first to volunteer and everyone steps mm-hmm. backwards and leaves yeah. someone there. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously like everyone in my life's like yo we can't wait till you stop writing these bullshit ass music books and really <laughs> And really, <laughs> no, no, for real. It's like, you know, I I know there are people I'm like, yo, no more music books. Like, tell us some real shit about your life. Yeah. And literally, when Will's book came out, I felt like, okay, maybe it is safe to cross the street a little bit without getting run over. So why yeah. did you feel like now is the time to really share your story and to be as honest and open about it? Yeah, I think um, I'm sure you all have been watching me publicly for the for the the last uh, thirty years. Thirty, yeah. <laughs> for the last couple, yeah. The, ever since. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, you know, I, I think first and foremost, I can feel the wave coming, right? So there's a there's a consciousness shift that is happening right now, right? So, so a, cu- a couple of things are happening. More people are realizing that there is no happiness to be derived from any material conditions that you can put together, right? People are starting to realize that no matter how great your job is, no matter how great your family is, no matter, no matter how uh, perfectly, you cultivate your material conditions, they are unsustainable. You, you have a perfect marriage and family, and then there's a storm, and three people in your family get killed. When well, the there's COVID, happens. you know, there, there's like COVID that, and shuts down, and you lose that your shut job everything and, down, and everything yeah. shuts it down, right? So People are realizing that material circumstances are unsustainable, right? So if that's the case, if it's the case that I can lose anything, how can I possibly enjoy my time here, right? And more people are waking up slowly to that idea. And people are starting to realize that you are the only problem you have to solve, right? That your your mind and how you are with this world is the answer, right? How to be with your circumstances is the answer, not trying to get your circumstances perfect, right? Okay, so, and I've, I've, this, this is the first time I've been asked this question this way, so I'm struggling to like, to, 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 
to say it, right? Is this so, the first time we've, you've been asked this question? In in this way. So I've not like I've never been asked a question. The the answer I want to give, I'm I'm trying to form it in my mind right now, right? So the 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 realization that I that I had is it doesn't matter so much what happens to me. It doesn't matter what happens in my life. It doesn't matter what happens with my family. It doesn't matter what happens with my career. It doesn't matter what happens in my life as much as it matters how I think about what happens to me and how I manage myself in interacting with what happens to me, right? So the answer that I realized is you can't create loving interactions from unloving behavior. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You're trying to love and be loved at the deepest part of your being. You want to love and be loved. You can not create it if you're scared, if you're angry, if you're resentful, if you're hungry and craving, if you're holding any of those poisons in your heart, you can't create what you want. You can only create the opposite of what you want, right? Oh God, man. That's, that's an earful. So all of that to say, mm-hmm. okay. I knew that if I was going to be happy, I couldn't be scared of what people were going to say. That I had to thoroughly and comfortably be me just as I am with no fucks given about what anybody thinks or means. So being so to that point in terms of being you and in writing this book, how did you decide what to tell and what not to tell? You know what I'm saying? And not necessarily in terms of being having any shame about any parts of your life, but just as an artist having that line of saying, listen, these are some parts of myself that I choose to keep to myself and I have the right to own myself, you know, so as to not let these things define me, you know, how do you decide what was take me through the process of deciding how you wanted to tell your story? So the, the, the only thing I, I was prepared and still am prepared to say anything and everything that's true for me, because I only get stronger by being vulnerable. I used to think I got weaker by being vulnerable. I only get stronger by being comfortable to share who and what I am freely. Come on. The line that I drew is I didn't want my words to be weaponized against people I love. 100%. Okay. Right. So I wanted to tell my story and the difficulty I was having was telling my story without uh, telling Jada's story. Right, right, right. right? To, you know, to tell- Telling Jeff's story. Yeah, yeah, without, you know, telling Alfonso's story or or telling Mm -hmm. Jeff's story. You know, so what I did is when I finished the book, I had what I was calling a writer's camp. And for two weeks, I called everybody that I mentioned in the book down to Miami and I read every word of the book to all of the people in the book so they would know what I was saying about them. Okay. And then I let them respond 
and made adjustments and 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 things ready like that. Everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready. Oh no, it was uh ready rock C. It was the first. Uh, well, there 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 were a couple people who declined. Um, <laughs> there were a couple people who declined. Um, but my, okay. it was the first time my mother and I had ever talked about my father being abusive. We mm. literally, I'm, I was, I was 52 years old at the time. And my mother and I literally never talked about the fact that my father beat her up and Man. her hearing me read the chapter was the first time that the conversation came up between us. And mm. You know, it was it was gut wrenching, but it was deeply purifying. And, you know, when I was talking about that idea of blocks to love, it's like the fact that my mother and I couldn't talk about that. There was a barrier between us. Right. And we loved each other, but we weren't really connecting in honesty and authenticity. Right. So there's always a little bit of a facade because we both know we're just not going to talk about it. So it yeah. just creates a little bit of a barrier. And neither one of us wants that. We want to love each other wide open and vulnerably, you know. So for me, it was cleaning out all of the barriers and the blocks that I had to loving the people in my life, you know, and it's and it's those traumas make us close our hearts. You know, the worst crime you can commit against another human being is to assassinate them in your heart. And, you know, once your heart is closed to somebody, as nice as you think you're being, as cordial as you pretend to be, all I, all I said mm-hmm. was, yeah, right, right, but you said it with a, a closed heart, which the person understands clearly that you don't give a fuck about them. Right. And it's like. You can't hide it. Right. It's like because you're not you're you're not showing that you're open to seeing them in a different way. Right. You'll be surprised how much your heart is closed to people you say you love. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like they know it. And they can feel it. And sometimes we can't feel it. We think if we treat someone nicely and respectfully that we're being loving. But if your heart is closed to them, it's not. Behind every word is I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> and they hear it. And they hear it, right? They hear it no yeah. matter what you try to say and no matter how much you try to cover it up. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, so let me ask you something because I'm, I'm, this is the one, this is probably my major downfall mm-hmm. in the, the journey I'm in right now. Like, I'm literally, a, I'm, I'm in a maze with my eyes with blinders on. Mm-hmm. And if I could just figure out this one thing, I think the world opens. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, I literally, now there's there's a book I just discovered like maybe last week called um I think it's called The Big Step where the the author speaks of how we uh set limitations for ourselves and for me though I am trying to figure out and the problem is I'm trying to figure out how to open my heart um and this mm-hmm. is stuff I kind of shared on the show before but yeah you know like when you when you live I feel like when you live in fight or flight mode mm-hmm. that you can either go with your brain or your heart. And I found that it was way safer for me to go with my brain. Right. Like, I got to be the smartest guy. I got to be the most achieving guy. I got to be right. the provider. I got to be, you know, the hero to everyone. Right. And I'm currently in a situation now where I'm hitting a, a brick wall because I'm almost like the tin man. Like I technically don't know <laughs> the first steps and how to open my heart. You so know? the the fundamental premise is flawed. The fundamental premise that you're safer using your head is wrong. That's not true. Right. So right. you can you can only make an intellectual mess with that fundamental premise. Right. I know this. So going all the way back to the beginning, the the belief system that has to grow is that the only safety is in your well wishing and the authentic care and concern for whoever's in front of you. You see a samurai kill somebody and then pray over the body. Mm. 
the samurai mm -hmm. it's not like you know fuck him you know that motherfucker shouldn't have been tripping mm -hmm. right it's like the samurai is prepared to kill you know that that's what they do but they spend half their lives learning you know the techniques of kill for the purpose of defending people and then they spend the second half of their life learning how to not have to you absolutely positively want to be able to defend people and you want to be able to build and you want to be able to create and you want to do all of that if you're doing it with your heart closed if you're doing it where you don't give a fuck about people it can't go well and you and you can have all the money and you can do all of that nah, you can, people are your greatest resource you yes that's it's what like, I say all the time watch yeah, people are your greatest resource when people know that you care, mm -hmm. right? They mm -hmm. give you so much room to make mistakes and stuff like that. And your only responsibility is for people to be able to see in your eyes that you legitimately care. And you might have to make hard decisions, you know? And somebody's mind might be so defiled that they can't respond well and you got to go samurai. Right. But you don't do it joyfully. You hate that you had to, you know, cut that Check person's head off. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can I, all right. So let me let me ask you a question, because for me, like I put myself in almost every situation that you spoke about in the book. But there's one particular situation that I felt that you handled with ease that I otherwise wouldn't have handled. Now, only starting maybe three years ago, really not even three years ago, like two years ago, I finally decided to do something on my own without, you know, the, the collaborative narrative that I do. You know, everything I've done has been the collaborative with everything. And yeah, yeah. so I'm thinking that if I'm getting a phone call in Detroit and it's Quincy Jones telling me to come out to his birthday party. Mm hmm and you're asked to audition in front of all those people at his birthday party mm -hmm. and he happens to have your current lawyer still with you now i believe yeah like to you know drop the papers and make this show happen i would have instantly not only thought of millions of reasons to say no mm -hmm. Chances are, I'm like, thank you very much, but you know, I, you know, I, I, I have a something. I, I'm going back to Detroit to go back to my group and stay with my group, and I wouldn't have even gotten the Fresh Prince of Bel Air because I would have instantly, out of obligation, chosen that first step in my career, yeah. which is just yeah. the group. And so, yeah. how did and you? I don't know if you just glossed over it or whatever, but. Did you realize that that was the first paradigm shift that your life is not going to be the same? Like once you stepped on that airplane yeah. and went back to Detroit, how do you explain to Jeff and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, how do you explain to, to these people that you made a, a life changing decision yeah. in the course of 24 hours? Well, we were we were all, we were in a really desperate financial situation, right? So, like we we were we you know we had gone from Grammy winners back to one hotel room 
Yeah. By you the know. way, I hate how I really hate how you uh, sort of separate yourself from Ann in this corner, which is actually oh, no. my favorite record. Of yours. I'm sorry. That's so crazy. It's yeah, literally that, my favorite really? record. Of yours, but go ahead. That's crazy. But yeah, that that one that one hurt bad. That, that one hurt. Bad. I know. I I'm not jiving you. Like mm. I feel like, and then she bit me. Was like that's one of my favorite Halloween songs ever. <laughs> But I, I, did, I like, and Jeff was on the beatbox. I did fuck with that one. Jeff was on the yeah, beatbox. Yeah, that was yeah, the one. Right. Anyway, there was one. Or, there was one or two on. Uh, um, un- unfortunately, the public did not concur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it worked out for you because if Quincy and Benny don't see that performance of Mike Tyson on Arsenio, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. that album still holds heavy for you because that's the moment. Yeah. That changed, you know. Yeah, no. When but I look, when I look back at that? it, I can see, I can see the value. Uh, definitely, when I when I look back. Uh, but to the first question about, so for me, I've never been the kind of person that felt like I had to stay with my friends to be loyal. I felt like my loyalty was to their growth and expansion. My loyalty was y'all got to keep up. Original LeBron. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, yeah, when it, what, what was um, Robin Harris had a joke? What was it? What was it? You talking about Robin? Robin, when you get rich and famous, you going to change? You goddamn right I'm going to change. change. <laughs> right. Address going to change. You, you, you change. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ain't going to have no change, change. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But the, the idea, the idea is for for me, it's like we gotta climb. Not, not, none of us loved our childhoods, none of us loved what our current situations were at the time. Then if that's the case, we gotta climb, we gotta grind, right? And it, it was always painful for me when somebody couldn't keep up, but I would much rather keep going and send them some help then slow down and let them pull us all down. Right. Right. So I've always felt like a, a responsibility to my to my squad, but we gotta, we gotta go. Right. We gotta climb. Right. And for me at that time, that that meant no drugs, everybody gotta train. If you if you want to do something different, you can, you just can't do it here. Cause like we are a crew of dreamers and we want to see how close to the sun we can get, you know? So, and, and that mentality, you know, you know, Charlie Mack. It was so good to see you, Charlie and Jeff had an IG conversation mid COVID. It's funny. I wasn't supposed yep. to say this, but I kind of did call Charlie and get some, some cheating things before we did this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but I wanted yeah. you to speak on that friendship between y'all three men, because really that was kind of like the, the greatest way to see the three of you. I don't think it yeah. was I, no other interview, no big, you know, networks. Yeah. Just y'all three just busting yeah, it up. Chopping it up on IG Live. Charlie Mack first out the limo. Come on, and for the people. You know, we, we talked about that um, in the IG Live, and I talked about it a little bit in the book. It's like, Charlie's a dreamer. Charlie's a big, giant dreamer. Thank God for it. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, um, Jeff is a a little more cocooned, right? Like, Jeff wants his his spot. And if everybody agrees to go, Jeff is going to go, right? 
But Jeff climbs in another way. Jeff climbs with talent. He spends, you know, 16 hours a day behind his his turntable. So his his climbing was in uh, a different way. And, you know, JL, who is my manager, is like one of the most well-read people that I've ever met. We gravitated to each other, you know, growing up in, in Philly. And it was like, we were doing the stuff that the that everybody else was doing and we was getting into trouble that everybody else was getting into but we all kind of had our eyes on a different a different future for ourselves we all knew we were doing more than this and you know your your friends are critical it's like one bad friend can blow your whole shit in one night yo will one time you gave a speech. I never will forget this. Um, shout outs to your baby sister, Ellen, who's a great woman. Mm-hmm. I came to a party you threw for when the Beckhams came to L.A. for the first time. And mm-hmm. you gave a speech about friendship and why it's yep. so important to be meticulous about friends. Can you just people need to hear that for a second, because it ain't just the rich and the famous. It's everybody. Yeah, no, it's it, it is. You know, there's a couple of quotes I, I've heard around that. And it's uh, it's attributed to Confucius. He says, uh, look, look at the five people you spend the most time with. And that's who you are. That's who you are. Yeah. Show me who you with. I'll show you who you are. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I I heard that I was probably 18 the first time I heard that. And I was like, ooh. (laughs) And it was like, okay, well, that's if that's the case, then I want this one, two, three, you know, but it's like. Who, who your friends are is, you know, one of the most critical decisions, you know, especially as a teenager, that's one of the most critical decisions that you can make. If the five friends that you associate with are straight A students, you're probably going to learn how to be a straight A student. If the five friends you associate with carry guns and sell drugs, you're probably going to end up carrying a gun and selling drugs, right? So it's like, you know, human beings are creatures of a example, and we fall into those lines of who we're with, uh, who you lay down with, who you're, who you share that bed with is probably the most important decision you will ever make in your life you ever make in- oh, i'm golden talk right. that shit <laughs> right. listen. you know what i mean listen right so it's like choosing your friends and your closest associates is how you fertilize your dreams Ooh. right you Ooh. can't have a life that's better than your associations. Like it's, it's impossible. Your life is a team effort, right? So you can't have a better life than your team. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. 
I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire. But when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. I got to admit, when when I finished the book, that part of me felt not quasi deflated, but the fact that I made a decision, I made a decision like maybe two years ago that, okay, I'm really going to concentrate and get my thing together. I'm going to direct this movie and then I'm going to go higher and higher and achieve and achieve and earn and achieve and achieve. And, achieve, 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 achieve. <laughs> and then, you know, you told the the last six chapters, you know, is a doozy of the book. Again, no spoiler alerts, but, you know, something happens in September of 2011 that sort of changes the whole trajectory of, of, of your life and whatnot. And when I read when I read that you had to take, you know, like you had to take in a total assessment of everything that you were. And it wasn't about how much you made and how much you, you know, how many records you broke or whatnot. And you kind of had to start all over again. Like what I know that that level of achievement and that level of fame can be somewhat addicting. Right. So now in 2021, 10 years after the fact that you had that, there, there's a story you tell about Jada's 40th birthday party, in which I kind of feel that's that's your paradigm shift to yeah. led you to where you are right now. Well, for starters, it's almost like what are your life goals right now? Because when you've I conquered everything else, well, like, more than that, <laughs> more than that, I think he discovered that none of that matters. And to right. me, I actually felt like, Oh shit, wait a minute. Like I'm trying to win this Oscar so I could do more movies and get more power and get more power and get more money and get Lost more power and get more money. And then I realized, Oh man, this, that's not going to make me happy because this book is basically like a, a, a cheat sheet of, you know, him five years into where I want to be. Right. So for you now, like, 
what is important? Because I know you're not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, like, no, no, no. Forget, forget my achievements. Forget my career. Not at all. But what's 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 the priority now? So what what happened is all of my climbing and all of my achieving and everything that I was trying to build is I was trying to fill an internal hole with external achievements, right? And it's impossible, right? You can't make enough money. You can't have enough sex. You know, you can't um, win enough championships that to, to fill a traumatic void inside yourself. And my traumatic void. So you're saying that internally at one point you felt like, well, shit, I made 8.5 billion in movies. Like I should have did 20. You're right. And that, so that's the carrot on the stick that with there, there is no end to (laughs) achieving. There's no end. It's an infinite, there's an infinite amount of money and beautiful women and yachts and right, you know. So what I realized is that what I was trying to, to fill is at the end of the day, I didn't like me, right? So at the end of the day, I didn't feel good about me and I needed those things so I could feel good about me, right? And all the way back to being a little boy in chapter one is, you know, watching my father beat up my mother and I didn't do anything really got me. It really, like, it really damaged something inside of me. You know, the the opening line of the, the book you know, that that I talk about, I've always felt like a coward, right? And people would look, well, dude, you did this and you did that and you did this and all that. And none of the external stuff fixes your internal impression of yourself, Mm. right? That initial wound. That initial wound, right? So the journey for me came down to, well, if I don't have all of those things, Like, who am I if people don't clap with my movie? If people don't cheer when I walk in? What if people booed when I walked in? Would that that change who I am, right? And I realized that I had given away my self-esteem. It's supposed to be self-esteem, but I had given away my self-esteem to achievements and to what my woman feels about me, to how other people view me and what they say about me. And I had trapped myself in trying to uphold an image of who I was rather than being who I really was. I wasn't comfortable being who I really was because I felt like the world would punish me for that. You end up acting in real life. (laughs) Right. You're just pretending. You're just pretending all the time. Right. So one of the things for me, every time I've walked out on the Tonight Show and I hear y'all playing, invariably, I have a little bit of a little boy insecurity because the roots are the real Philly group. Oh, really? Mm. Wait, what? Philly group. Oh, no, no. I'm 
Amir. Jazz Jeff Will. 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 Yeah. Neil yeah. Philly dude. No, don't I... say this, Will, because literally. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Literally, when I'm in any situation that's fearful, lately it's been giving speeches. Mm-hmm. I hate giving speeches. Mm-hmm. And the, the moment, the thing that I think about you're literally the most confident curtain walker of the Tonight Show. <laughs> you, like literally, when you, like I, I know these, I know who looks down. Mm-hmm. There are people that run to the couch because they're so yeah. insecure. There are people who look down. Like you're the first person I know that takes a second to walk out. You come out like you know, like you're 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 in Rome in a Coliseum, yeah. like you're ready to conquer. <laughs> so. Literally, when I get to my Very small space before before I give any speech mm-hmm. whatsoever, I think I literally had to vicariously do a what will Will Smith. So please don't even tell me. <laughs> literally, someone has to like every push you. time, every time I've ever walked out on that show and I hear y'all playing, I cannot do anything but get myself together to try to look cool for the roots. So you're wow. psyching yourself wow. up? <laughs> wow. That's some big Philly shit y'all so talking wait, about. We're literally, we're literally chasing <laughs> our tails here. Yeah. Because you I'm always got your... the poker face, right? So I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you trying to get the like, and you know, you give me the nod and you right there. And I was like, it's the poker face. He's doing the poker face. I can't. <laughs> no. that was the worst one of all was remember the one where I did like the five entrances? Yes, that's my favorite of all time. <laughs> all I could think was you thought I was the corniest motherfucker that oh has ever God. walked out on the show. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. Because in my mind, in my mind, I like, literally- is killing moment, this shit. <laughs> so all right, so just, just to recap for everyone, there was a period after, if you remember the Michelle Bachman incident, Yes. yes. Uh, where suddenly <laughs> they understand that, oh, the roots customize walk ons for people. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, people wanted to do these epic ass walk ons. Like, literally, Will Smith and Steve Martin, all their walk ons are very epic. Yep. Now, that's funny because I felt unworthy. Like, when you walk out, <laughs> I felt like, ah, oh, man, we're just the minions from West Philly that isn't, you know, on his level. Well, wait, can we can so for a Philly moment real quick? Because, Will, no. how does it feel? You kind of started this wave, I mean, outside of Philadelphia International, but this mm-hmm. huge wave of, like, Philly talent, what does it look like, fast forward, to not just see the roots, right, but to see Kevin Hart, to I know, see yeah. Jasmine, like, Philly is, like, killing it. Yes, like, yeah. What does it feel like to be, like, the kind of daddy of all of this? You know, and it's so funny because like, and and this is this is why working on your mind is the only work to do, right? We need to talk more. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So for me, I perceived myself as an outcast from that group. Right? Wait, that huh? it was I see right. It. So I to me, but... AI, AI right. was the right. real Philly dude. But he wasn't from Philly. He, from he wasn't from Philly, but he was holding it down for he Philly. Rapped. That he was Fridays. the look of repping for Philly. Amir is the look of repping for Philly. But you the look of making it from Philly. Right. Yeah. So. But you know what? But I, I will say this. I, I, will, I will interject as a non-Philly person. Please. As an outsider's perspective, I, to give you a little context on that, Will. I think for you 
you just became to like you just became to embody like so much other things like you became bigger than philly you became that's, bigger that's than you know what i'm saying than the united states like you just became mm-hmm. will smith it was not though no, this is will from philly it's right. just no this is will smith so yeah. i think but, and maybe from the standpoint of you know maybe you may not didn't see that you were getting that love and so it yeah. like like you said the cool factor quote unquote that yeah. amir might have had or ai might have had i just think you were just in a whole nother stratosphere and yeah. People fuck with you. I mean, we all, because even now, like, when I have conversations uh, about your career and stuff, I'm like, bruh, Independence Day and all that shit aside, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper. That is a classic mm-hmm. hip-hop album. Yeah. Like, right. this nigga got a legit classic under his belt. Like, yeah. don't get it fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder, did you ever feel that you weren't respected as an MC, you know what I'm saying, once you right. went so crazy in, in movies and your career Wait. really took off? Wait, let me add on to that and let you answer, Will. I just want to let you know that I was one of those listeners. You and Jeff had went to DAS mm-hmm. the night that he's the DJ and I'm the rapper came out. Yep. And you had a battle with Steady B. Steady B, yeah. Man. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Tariq and I heard that Munchie Chi line. Yeah. You always talk about that. I don't know if it was freestyle or whatever, but like yeah. that's the first time I heard someone like play the dozens and rhyme yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he called Steady B like you big munchie chi. And that <laughs> that moment was the first bonding that Tariq and I ever had. Like we called each other, like, did you hear that? He called him a munchie chi. Like, <laughs> and it was it was all over school the next day, like. Yeah. It, after then, it was almost like you could do no wrong. Like it, it, mm-hmm. so, there was never a thing like, "Oh, that boy corny," whatever. Yeah. Like literally, that battle. I wish I had that on tape. But answer mm-hmm. the question though, because I want to know what he. But yes, please. yeah, yeah. Do you feel you get those respect that respect as an MC? M- more now than during during that time. Than back then, so I feel gotcha. like when people look back with with a little bit of history, people be, "Yo, that was kind of that was kind of interesting." Yeah, that, he he wasn't half bad. Um, <laughs> what it was is Jeff and Reddy Rock would body anybody. So that's Thanks. really so I was in between Jeff and Reddy Rock. So I, I felt supported in that way. Like nobody could beat Jeff. Yeah, right. Man. And what Reddy Rock was doing was just, you know, he was one of one. Right. In, in, in terms of beatbox. So there was like nobody really even to to battle him. So. I always felt like as a crew, we would win. Like if people wanted to go mm-hmm. head up, I felt like as a crew, we would win. But I never felt like because the acting came in so quick, I felt like I never developed the level of um, rhyme skill that I felt like I could if I had had an had you opportunity stuck, stayed in it. Yeah, to yeah. stay in it, you know, and it's like and then, then I got scared. So I was trying to make hit records instead of making what I was feeling. Right. So I got I got mm-hmm. twisted in there in but a way know, that that jammed me up. But Charlie said that nobody was there, not even trying to battle you on the streets because you was killing it so hard. And then, not to mention the battling lyrically, but then when it came to fisticuffs, you wasn't a game neither. That's yeah, no. on the street. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was less. I, I I had to I had to learn how to fight quick. So you know that was uh, that was the one thing that was always a surprise to people. It's like I had so much 
you know, anger and resentment build up. I would sucker punch somebody quick. Right. So I like I, I was like, just fight me then, fight me then. Right. If I'm soft, <laughs> fight me. <laughs> I love that. People think they know they have no idea. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Can I ask a random uh, 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 Westbrook question, please? Yep. Because I know we we getting tight with time, but you got a couple of my favorite shows that's either coming on or on right now. I know, and right? I just wanted we... to throw it out real quick. First oh my of God, all, I forgot about Will Smith, the business. This is, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying I, to get I life advice. With, I, I want to start with the most random of randoms, which is Cobra Kai. Cobra hey, listen, Kai. let me tell you something. Let, let me, me tell you something, on, bro. Dante. Hey, let me tell you something, man. Look, Cobra listen. Kai, bro, even without the stop, man, listen, listen. when whole boy, when he went to that draw and he pulled out that goddamn the top stuff. his ponytail, hey, listen, man. That when, when homeboy pulled that scrunchie out, when he pulled out the hair tie, I said, boy, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Terry Silver is yes, back. Yes. Bro, four, me and my wife. No, nah, I'm not giving no spoilers. I mean, he's in no. the trailer. Like, okay. no, shout season out, four of Cobra Kai was the best one. Caleb, huh? Caleb Pinkett, my brother-in-law, brought that you. in. Yeah, tell me yeah, about so, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. So Caleb, Caleb is, uh, you know, I, I trained him for about five years. And uh-huh. now he started his own company. He's producing. So he brought in uh Cobra Kai to the to the family. So yeah, that he's uh Yo, he's gold for I, life, he just, right? They just got nominated. They got nominated for uh SAG Awards. 
uh, last that night. Stunt just work got, or something. So more. Cobra okay. Kai is nominated. And, you are um, making 80s babies dreams come true. You oh, my God. Understand. Yeah. Man, that show is fucking great. I love that show. Listen, no, because Caleb brought it in. I was like, Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid, right? Because, you know, we had done the Karate Kid with Jaden. Right. So we, we were already working with the IP. I was and, wondering. Are we gonna get Jaden in future seasons of Cobra Kai? Can we get one? Right we, we need a. <laughs> I need Jaden. I need Hillary Swank. I need that. That's a great idea. That's a good question. That's a really cool. Yeah, Jaden got to show up at a damn su- as a substitute teacher or something. Got to come too. I know, right? <laughs> Taraji, okay, wait, wait, wait. she uh, was. They, that's right. They're yes, doing who? a brilliant okay, job. Okay, wait, wait, wait. The uh, uh, world Earth. Uh, um, mm, uh, mm. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Okay, so welcome to Earth. Just finished all the episodes, brother, brother, brother. Yo. First of all, can you break down to the world how National Geographic makes that shit look like that? Because yeah. I know you had to be in awe. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend were like, what in the GoPro do they do? How do I they- know. Listen, it looks gorgeous. You know, there's a, a company called Newtopia that, that Westbrook, we partnered with. And, you know, it, it's just Nat Geo knows how to do it. It's like, you know, they're they're getting us into some really uh, beautiful places, some places that are untapped. It was like that the, and they just know how to shoot it. I don't even know what they're doing. And I love your honesty. <laughs> I love, cause we can see your fear. So when you circle back on the fear episode, oh, and yeah. told us about, I was like, thank you. Cause yeah, I was going to say, have they presented you something that you were like, uh, I'm not ready this season. Like maybe next <laughs> season. Yeah. There's one, there's one that we pushed to next year. It was um, a trek to the South pole and it takes oh, nine days and it's tense, tense all the way for nine days to, to the South Pole. And I, I, I was also like, want to big you up for having so many explorers of color on that Yes, show. yes, uh, exactly. Uh, but, and you uh, know what? That's, uh, I'm, I'm gonna shout out Nat Geo and, and uh, Newtopia. You know, that, that is a part of their demand for the show. They, like, they, they are specifically uh, mandating that the, all of the episodes be representative. So yeah, wow. so they they and, are the truth. And then there's Bel Air. Oh, and the Bel Air reboot, yeah, the, the drama Bel Air. Yeah, yep, it's about to be crazy. As as uh, evidenced by, even though you know, the globes have been blacked out. Yeah. Uh, are you ready with your acceptance speech for the Oscars? Hey man, you can't. You're not supposed to talk about that not kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I was I was talking uh I was talking earlier about that. Uh, oh, for another thing, we had the women of the movement. Yeah, women of the movement. Oh, yes, we had that. Yeah, that. that USA. That, yeah, that's uh with Jay Z produced that oh. with Jay. Yeah, so that that that's coming out too. But I was just talking about the the you know the idea of uh I'm I'm trying to be uh spiritually above. Uh, the the desire to win awards. That's right. <laughs> I, I I get it, but I told you, but I told you, mm-hmm. I predicted. You did. I believe that Beyonce is going to win that night. Mm-hmm. I believe that you're going to win. Love it. And I won't say no if they if they I will, call I will my be name. Joining you three, I, I will won't be, be like nah. On. Nah. I believe it don't matter because the people love you. And that's what counts first. So there you there go. There you go. I love me, which is the new thing that, that I've gotten to. It's like, I feel <laughs> good about me with or without uh, an Academy Award. Hallelujah. 
One thing I wanted to ask you, Will, um, that I think would be helpful for a lot of people, um, when you talk about just your journey of just, you know, growing and, you know, kind of, you know, learning to love yourself and be happy and everything, you know, a lot of people can look and say, well, Will, that's easy. And nigga, you you made I Am Legend. I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You got a team, you got therapists, you got chefs, you got Mm -hmm. accountants, like you got all that. So to someone that's, you know, not in your position, um, what would you say is just that taking, what is step one of wanting to just be better and have a, a healthier relationship with yourself? What is step one, regardless of money, whatever, what's the first step you can take? I think, I think the first thing is to take an honest look at your life and how much of it do you like, mm. right? Just take a really good look at your life, right? Because it is a journey. You do have to make a journey. And the journey is from, you know, unpleasant and unwanted circumstances to circumstances that you desire, right? And all the learning that you will have to do will be on your journey, right? So the first thing is to commit to transformation, right? There's no easy road. There's no easy road. You're going to have No matter how many all the therapists you want or whatever, the work is still yours. The work is yours and the work can be done in any circumstance. There's like, you know, my grandmother used to say God is everywhere, right? So you can find it anywhere. You just have to commit to transforming your life. First and foremost, you have to decide, you know what? I'm done. And I'm making a change. And the first changes are always going to be really obvious, right? The first changes of how you eat or who you associate with or a job you're doing that makes your fucking stomach hurt, right? You know what I mean? It's like the the first couple of changes are going to be really, really obvious and it's the courage to make the first change, right? Gotcha. Where people of, that are in bad relationships, you're, you know, you're in a bad physical condition. You don't, you're, you're in a neighborhood you don't like. You're, you're, you're doing things that you know are hurting yourself, and it's like just the first step. Just find that first thing that you know damn well does not need to be in your life that you're <laughs> babysitting. You yeah. know? Is, there a book, is there a book that you recommend? There, well, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things. It's really hard. I mean, other than Will, I think Will is one of the best books um, on the market right now for the transformation <laughs> of your life, of everything no, it, I've read. Look, let me just let our listeners know, and for all of like, nigga, I don't read or whatever. <laughs> I no, no 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 no. I'm gonna let you know what time it is. It weird enough, having written six books myself, I didn't consider myself a reader. However, when I started, you know, when the pandemic started, and I started doing my morning walks versus mm-hmm. podcast. I man, I've read I've read so many books, yeah. audiobook style, which is still reading like yeah. so whatever for you snobs, like you have to read it first in order to read a book. No, I believe <laughs> the way that you should take in. Will's book, your first thing is I definitely believe that you should listen to the audiobook because it's different when it's coming from his voice. Yeah. And not to mention he peppers the soundtrack 
that makes it feel like it's a podcast or whatever. Like there's uh, okay. sound effects, reenactments, and him yeah, imitating yeah, yeah. Charlie Mack and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel, and it makes it endearing, especially those last six chapters. So, Fonte, I would actually recommend you, once you listen to that, that'll, you know, I, th- I think it's important that people really take in this book and hear what, what Will is saying. And I don't think it's a hashtag, like only rich people stuff or whatever. Like it's, it's literally having the will to know you want to change. And especially where we are now, where a lot of us, and when I mean us, the hip hop nation, a lot of these cats are expiring in their 50s before they make 60. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the will to not want to move on. I think it's one thing. It was like when you get past 20, you're like, okay, I didn't get shot. So now I'm good. <laughs> and then there's a point where we, you know, try to not have a stroke or make sure our health is right. <laughs> now I'm realizing that 60 on is going to be a crazier battle for us to have the will to, to live and, and all those things. So I, I would actually recommend Will's audiobook first um, as essential reading. I was just going to ask the, the craziest question of all. I was just going to say, who going to battle Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff in the verses? Well, hold on. <laughs> you said who's going to... Who's going to said, battle Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff in the verses? It was a joke. Uh, in the verse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to battle Jazzy Jeff? Yeah, so I was like, battle. I was just having that conversation with somebody the other day. And somebody was like, you know, y'all, y'all should go with LL. I was like, LL. LL, LL yeah, LL y'all tripping. Thousand records. <laughs> y'all right. crazy? You are not gonna have me getting bodied by L. You know what I actually think? You know what I think your match would be? Who? I would I would think that Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince versus Naughty by Nature mm. would be a good mm. versus. Okay, mm. okay. Okay. That might be fun. I'm not yeah. mad. I'm not mad. I think yeah. I think it's evenly matched. Yeah, it's I, evenly I, ma- yeah. It's like I think that would be L got like 20 albums. Like, <laughs> like real. That boy got yeah, LL and Buster, I think, are more of a match. I don't care if they feel if they're outclassed each other, but I feel like LL and Buster almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you, Will. So do you ever get a point in terms of when you talk about like always striving, striving and climbing and like building your team and keeping them like always wanting to elevate do you ever get to a point where you just realize you know what i'm good like does yeah. i'm good ever happen in the mind of will smith I've, I, I've looked at the first half of my life i think about it in terms of uh climbing mm-hmm. and collecting and now the second half of my life is going to be given away right is going to be giving it back right so it was you know all of the things that that i gathered through the you know striving and climbing and now my attention is on developing my heart and developing my mind through giving and relating right so part of the discovery for me is my true happiness was never going to be achieved through collecting. And I'm realizing that the deepest joy that I experience in is through giving, right? And it was like, that's the, the real magic of love is giving 
and it's in helping, it's in using what you are to assist someone else to become what they were meant to become. Right. It's do you like, think that's do you think that's what's kept you and Jada together for so long? Is that uh, that sounds like a foundational part of y'all? Yeah. Yeah, we are we are full on climbers and seekers. We are developing our comprehension of what love is. And like everybody wants love, but nobody knows what it actually is. Right. So you want something, but you don't you don't know what it is. Right. And it's like the Marines always there's a Marine quote. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody Nobody want to die. die. (laughs) Right. And it's like there's a there's a certain amount of self reconstruction that has to happen in order to have any possibility at love. Your life has to be focused on transforming and correcting the false beliefs, the flawed perceptions, the poisonous ideas in your mind, your entire life has to be centered on removing those things in order that you can hold the love that you're asking for from someone else. Can I get away? Ladies and gentlemen. Shit. Yeah. That was Willard Carroll Smith Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is not as big, right man. There. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Let us end it right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a mic drop for you. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You're right. Like, like literally, nah. I thought, like, you know, okay, Jimmy Jam's episode was six hours. So, no, but <laughs> we'll literally drop so much potent magic in this interview. And I, I really want to thank you for, um, giving us uh letting us be the audience not even giving us this audience yeah really nah, man, seriously man and thank you too i mean i can't i have no idea what it would be like to have spent you know the last 35 years of my life as one of the most famous people on the fucking planet <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so um you know just for you we appreciate you just sharing just being so transparent about your journey and you know, you and Jada's like married, like everything. Like yeah. y'all done been through shit that would have broke a whole bunch yeah. of other people. But um, I understand that y'all live incredible lives, and um, just for you to be so transparent about this, man, is really inspiring. And we just thank you just for everything, bro, for real. And thank you for always coming y'all. back thank to you. Philly because I tell Absolutely. Charlie he needs to keep doing those weekends. He hasn't, but still, when he was doing them, you was always there, uh, always no, yeah. cleaning up the neighborhoods, always yeah. getting back. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate y'all, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, nice. on behalf of uh, Laia, uh, Sugar Steve, Unpaid Bill, and Fonte, and myself, Will Smith, thank you very much. This is Questlove Supreme. We will see you on the next go-round. Thank you. Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.